So this is the second Sunday of the season of Easter. You know Easter, of course, is more than a day. It's a, it's a, uh, a season of the church, and it's a season that is characterized by an ongoing sense of amazement, a sense of the energy of God in our midst, and changes, radical changes around us. That's what Easter meant and means today. The traditional gospel reading for this Sunday is the story of what we would call Doubting Thomas, where, where Thomas uh, misses out on the, one of the appearances of Jesus among the disciples, and he, and he tells uh, the other disciples, unless I see his body and touch his wounds, I will not believe. And then uh, later he was given that opportunity. But today, because it is Earth Care Sunday, we may refer to that text, but we're going to read other texts. And of course, the obvious one is part of the poem of creation from the book of Genesis. Let us listen for God's word. God spoke the earth generate life, every sort and kind, cattle and reptiles and wild animals, all kinds. And it was done, wild animals of every kind, cattle of all kinds, every sort of reptile and bug. God saw that it was good. God spoke, let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature so that they can be responsible for the fish in the sea and the birds in the air and the cattle and, yes, the earth itself and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. And God created human beings. God created them God-like, reflecting God's nature. God created them, male and female, and God blessed them. God said, prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, take charge, be responsible for fish in the sea and birds in the air, for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. Then God said, I've given you every sort of seed-bearing plant on earth and every fruit-bearing tree, given them to you for food, to all animals and to all birds, everything that moves and breathes, I give whatever grows out of the ground for food. And there it was. God looked over everything God had made, and it was good, so very good. And it was evening, and it was morning, the sixth day. And by the way, that was a reading from the translation called The Message. And as is this, the reading from the book of Romans, where Paul is talking about the impact of Easter and the hope of resurrection and he says this, the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. And not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, 
we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as children, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. This is the word of the Lord. So, Earth Care Sunday, I promise you this will probably be the best Earth Care Sunday sermon you've ever heard at Riverside. Because how many of you have ever heard one? <laughs> probably very few of us. So, the bar is a little low, but that's okay. We start somewhere. You might think, well, this is we, haven't, we don't emphasize this here because it's, you know, it's sort of a faddish idea, isn't it? This environmentalism. Uh, or maybe it's tied up in a lot of political and economic issues that we don't want to get into. So let's just leave that alone and uh, just stick with other, other things. But I think that what we're talking about today has to do with our core values. In fact, it has to do with our identity You see, the first thing that is said about humanity in the scriptures is that we're made in the image and likeness of God. Everything else that is written in scripture needs to be read in light of this foundational truth. As Julian of Norwich puts it, we are made of God. We are made of the light that was in the beginning. We are made of the wisdom that fashioned the universe in its glory of interrelatedness. We are made of the love that longs for oneness. This is who we are. It's not to deny that we may have problems, that we may have made mistakes, but no matter how bad we feel about ourselves or how much of a mess we see around us, we must believe that at our core we were created good, and we are in the sight of God. What would it look like if these truths were deeply embraced and lived out in our community and as citizens. It might begin with a rebirthing of the desire to move back into relationship with everything else that is of God. See, there is this inner energy that moves all things in relationship to each other. The laws of gravitation express it. At every, at at some level, every atom seeks to move in relationship to all other atoms. A scientist named Brian Swim called it the urge to merge. There is this deep relationship of all things, and we human beings express this this very universal truth when in our deepest longings for relationships. When we yearn to be connected to other people, we are acting like the whole universe. Think about how we are connected to the world. My family story may be somewhat like yours or many people's. My my ancestors immigrated from Europe. They moved from the East Coast across into the Midwest and settled in Northern Ohio. They were mostly farmers. 
and a few were small business people in farming communities. They lived close to the earth, the Behrmans and Schroeders and Nagels and Hoffs, some of them successful farmers, some of them not very much. But I remember going to the farms and visiting the family out in the country of a countryside in Ohio. And I remember playing in tall corn bins, climbing up on top of the corn, and in haylofts, looking down at people as they were working below. I remember watching the cows lick the salt licks. Have you ever seen a salt lick? And I remember climbing a tree and you could see for miles across the fields of, of beans and corn. I remember hiding in the cornfields and climbing on old tractors and finding old rusted tools and smelling the warm greenness of the crops that were cultivated right up to the edge of the yard. And also smelling the odor of manure that had been spread on the fields and the smell of fresh vegetables that my grandmother was cooking in the kitchen. And when my father returned from World War II, he married my mother, he went to college on the GI Bill and became a chemical engineer and they moved to the city and they lived in cities for the rest of their lives, never to return to farm life, except to visit. And so my life was so different than theirs. In fact, in the span of my father's lifetime, the relationship of my family to the land, to animals, to plants and food and work and community, it all changed so quickly so that now my children and grandchildren really have no idea what that kind of connection to the land and the world was like. And the religion, the religion was this vertical tiered religion, God up in heaven, pretty much far away, and us here on earth and then down below where we hope not to go. And yet when we read the Bible, when we look at our holy scriptures, we see that creator and creation were part of the same theological ecosystem. The ground was created and sustained by a gracious God who walked about in a garden and whose son Jesus was, who spun agricultural tales for his hearers' spiritual benefit. The poet Wendell Berry said, the idea of heaven doesn't take religion very far because the distance makes it too much of an abstraction Love, as the very being of God, has to wear a face. And that face is our neighborhood, our neighbors, and other creatures, the earth and all of its inhabitants. God is not a tree, and a tree is not God, but God is with the tree and the tree is with God in a deeply sacramental way. Theologian Sally McFaig 
explains it this way. She says, God's love is the power that moves the galaxies and breathes in our bodies. One way to imagine this relationship is to see the world as God's first body. The first incarnation was creation. The world, the universe, is the body of God. All matter, all flesh, all myriad beings, all processes that constitute physical reality are in and of God. God is not just spirit, God is also body. So God can be thought of in organic terms as a vast interrelated network of beings that compose our universe. And the glory of God is not only in heaven, but also here on earth. Sally McFade calls this the radical intimacy of God in the world. In Genesis, we see a poem that celebrates the world that God intends in all of its wonder and harmony. And God places Adam, whose name means dirt, in the garden to grow and care for the rivers and the plants and the animals. And eventually God draws Eve, whose name means life, into partnership with Adam. Adam and Eve, dirt and life, not a literal first couple, but rather their names from the Hebrew, they come together and their union produces the human race and life as we know it. In Genesis, God instructs Adam and Eve to till and to keep, that is to serve and to preserve, not to use up, not to just see things as resources that we get to spend and and use as we see fit, but to serve and preserve as custodians, as overseers, of that which someone else has made. And so through the eyes of our spiritual awareness, our care for the earth is not just a fad or some issue we add on to other issues. It is practicing obedience, affirming our identity, our connection to the Holy One, And to disregard the earth is sinful and evil. God so loved the world, John 3.16, that he gave his only son. But that word world is in Greek cosmos. The cosmos, the entire universe. God loves the entire universe, not just people, but all of creation. And in sending Jesus, God affirms that God dwells in the world that we inhabit. God takes a body on to give abundant life. It is a deep incarnation indeed. But Paul says that we groan. We groan as we wait for our redemption And guess what? Creation groans with us, and the Spirit groans with us, all waiting for this Easter hope, this resurrection, the redemption of 
our bodies and of all of creation. That is our hope. And so we need to move from a spirituality of simple alienation from the natural world, even if we live in cities, to a spirituality of intimacy with the natural world. We are, after all, earthlings. And we don't have the capacity by ourselves to save the earth, but we do have the capacity to serve the earth and to nurture its God-given energies for healing. I'm not here today to lay a guilt trip on anyone or to give us a list of do's and don'ts or, or point out what issues we should care about or not care about. I really am talking about our identity, our awareness of where we might encounter the holiness of God. And it is not only in here, but out there. As Lisa Williams put it just a few minutes ago, to know it is to love it, and to love it is to protect it. Well said. And let me close with a poem by Thomas Berry, not related to Wendell Berry. Thomas, from the 19th century, he wrote this. We need the sun, the moon, the stars, the rivers, the mountains, and the birds, and the fish of the sea to evoke a world of mystery, to evoke the sacred. Amen.